free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at LeBanks, St Samson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. So, December has arrived. Are you ready? Um, so, Maria, I'm, I, I'm just going to trust you, yeah, that you're going to be on the ball this morning. Yeah? It's good. If it goes wrong, it's going to ruin my whole thing. <laughs> so, I can't see what you're doing. I can't see what's behind me, you know. You know, anything, really. Oh, well done. It's good. Going well so far. So, uh, I, I'm asking this question of you, are you ready? And not about Christmas, not about the New Year, not about your holidays, not about uh, all those kind of things, but I, I'm asking you a question, are you ready for God? It's not guarantees that God's going to do anything more in your life, he doesn't need to do anything more in your life. You can't demand it, you can't, he's not a, a, a genie in a lamp. You know, and, and you can stamp your feet and, and shout and holler all your, ta- all, all, your, all you want. But there's no guarantee that God has to or will do anything more in your life. He's done everything for you already. Amen? Um, but however, um, if, uh, if God is going to do something, if he's going to do something, I want to be ready because I don't want to miss that. So, uh, I, I, I grew up in the church when uh, I, I got saved under a, a real season of uh, the, the real hardcore belief that Jesus was going to come back this afternoon. And it was a, real, a, a wonderful season to be in, but, but my mother would always instruct me, watch yourself today, Jesus could be coming back today. You know, and like the whole day, you know, well, I managed to get through maybe about 20 minutes of not sinning, just in case Jesus came back during that, that period, you know. Because <laughs> Jesus comes back and finds you doing something that you shouldn't be doing, you know, he's not going to take you. So <laughs> it worked a little bit. Um, but are you ready being, are you prepared that if, if God would come, and do something, wants to do something in the, in the church community that he doesn't miss you. You do realise that the God can bless a whole church community and you can be sitting in your chair going, don't get this. And, and, and 99% of the church can be re- having a real blessing and hearing from God and you could be the 1% going, this is church is rubbish. <laughs> it could happen, not in here because you're all 100% perfect. And holy, I'm talking not about this church, obviously, I'm just hypothetical. Um, in Zechariah, there's a wonderful little prophecy in Zechariah, um, in chapter 10, which says, um, Ask the Lord for rain at the time of the spring rain. 
why should you ask the Lord for rain at the time when it's going to rain anyway? You ask the Lord for rain when it's going to rain because you do realise that it can be raining all around you, but where you're standing, you could be bone dry. It happens geographically, you know, the rain can come on the island, but you can be out in your garden, you know, and you're not getting a spot of rain, and everybody around you is. And the same within a church setting, within a community, and with what God is doing in one particular place, is that God can be really blessing and God can be moving upon all all the people that you're connected with, but you're not receiving anything. Why? Because your heart's not ready, you're not prepared yourself. And that's the question I'm going to ask this morning. And we're going to read just two verses in Luke um, chapter 3, verse 1 to verse 2. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Ituria, and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene. Do you ever read names in the Bible and thinking, what the chuff is going on here? Do you ever do that? Maybe you're you're not like me, but just thinking, what is going on? And during the high priest of Annas and Caius, do you ever just skip those? Thinking, clearly God can't say anything. What's going on here? Just... Maybe just like Luke had a little bit of a blank space on his page. Just thought throw some names in. During the high priest of Annas and Caiaphas, oh good, we got a sentence. The word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Clearly Luke is not padding out his material. All those names are mentioned for a particular reason. And it's about context. He mentions this group of leaders, um, and it's if, if, I, um, if I mention to you a group of leaders, in, in political leaders, world leaders, you would understand, oh, okay, you're setting some context, and that's exactly what's, what's happening here. Um, Luke begins to speak about these men, and I don't want to go into great detail about them, but He's basically saying to, the, to his readers, remember the context for a moment? Remember? And he mentions Tiberius, Pontius Pilate, Herod, Philip, Lysanias, and Anna and Caiaphas. Tiberius, um, Roman emperor during the life of Jesus, historically known as a horrible man, pedophile, horrible guy. Um, um, he, um, he was known as um, uh, torturing people for the slightest of offences. Pontius Pilate, you know of him. Um, many legends about him. Governor of Judea, the one who sentenced Jesus to death. Herod, Tetrarch of Galilee, uh, he's the one who beheaded John the Baptist. Philip, Tetrarch of Iturea and Trachonitis. Um, he has, um, uh, in, uh, in Caesarea Philippi, he has the, the rock of gods, the big cliff face with all the gods and shrines. Um, and it's, the, the, the town is named Caesarea Philippi after him, but he's got the whole pantheon of gods in that cliff face. 
you've got an unusual guy called Lysanias who's only known for uh, battling over a small territory, dealing with small, uh, a small area, but fighting for it. Then you've got Annas and Caiaphas, um, that the high priests who are the persecutors of the followers of Jesus. So at a time when evil was being honoured and the setting up of idols and names against the true God, in, in, in a time when there were so many attempts to humiliate Jesus, the worship of every false god is imaginable, and there are battles over small things, small territories, when religion is persecuting the followers of Jesus. Um, Luke is setting this context. And I think he's trying to say to us that the greatest illusion in life uh, is that our world should be perfect, and it can be perfect. And that's the greatest illusion. We search for it, we long for it, we want our circumstances to be perfected and our situations to get better because we think that if our context was better, then we will be a better person in that better context and we will be ready to be available to be used by God. How many times have people have said to me over the years, Pastor, I'm ready, I'm just waiting for something to happen and then I'll be ready. And I'm having to say to them, you'll never be ready then. Because there's never a moment in your life when your world is perfect. And so Luke says, there's this, in this incredible bad context, um, something happened that hadn't happened for 400 years. The Old Testament has many examples of this going through the Old Testament. Genesis 15, to Abram, the word of the Lord came to Abram. In Isaiah, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. In Ezekiel, in the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiakim, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel. In Jonah, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. In, in Zechariah, uh, at the time of Zerubbabel, the word of the Lord came to me. So through the whole of the Old Testament, this phrase, the word of the Lord came, the word of the Lord came, the word of the Lord came. And people live for it. People base their whole life around the fact that God repeatedly came, came back into the, into the context of their world and, and the word of the Lord came. There was some instruction, there was some encouragement, some challenge, some provocation and some action of God as he came through the prophetic message, the word of the Lord came. Then for 400 years, nothing. 400 years, God didn't do anything. I wonder what it would be like to be a follower of Jehovah during the whole 400 years when he's totally silent and nothing is happening. You and I go through those times, don't we? We just go through times of silence of God when he doesn't seem to be doing much. It happens. In the context of our world, that seems to be moving and that seems to be getting worse. Um, and seasons of evil and things, that provocations and things that take place against our life and things we go through, some stuff, but he just seems a little bit quiet. 400 years comes and being a follower during all that time, I wonder what that's like. But I'm just saying to you this morning, in your imperfect world, 
when your circumstances are not ready, are you ready for God? Because in the season of dryness, in the season of nothing, is there an individual, individuals who are ready, just in case, that what was said 400 years ago can be said again, that the word of the Lord came. The word of the Lord will come not when your context is perfect, let me reiterate, but when he wants to come. It's whether you're going to be ready or not, or whether you're going to miss it. So you may live where, in, a, in a world where sin is being honoured, where people and things are occupying the place of God, it's called idolatry, where you carry the name of Jesus, but from time to time you feel humiliated, you feel brought down, um, where false worship is, is everywhere, and people seem to be battling over the smallest of things. And you live in a world where you hear of persecution, and people being slandered for their faith, etc., and in that world, none of those things, none of those things disqualify you from God coming to you. So what is Luke saying and why is that important for us? In that verse, in verse 2, it tells us a story in that sentence that the word of the Lord came to Johnson and Zechariah in the wilderness. And these are the four things I want to share with you this morning that Luke is saying, God is doing a new thing. Therefore, are you ready? if you're ready for God, then firstly, you need to be in alignment with him. It was John, son of Zechariah. Do you remember the story? Do you remember the story? Zechariah and his missus. Mrs. Zechariah, do you remember? Elizabeth. Um, and they couldn't have children, remember? And, it, and it's got that beautiful phrase that's been such an encouragement for you, for some of you, um, of late. They were well on in years. It's lovely, isn't it, that? <laughs> you know, when you look in the Marie's... Well, I'm well on. Um, many thought the alignment... Well, you see, it says, John, son of Zechariah. The word of the Lord came to John, son of Zechariah um, in the wilderness. And we read him and thinking, that's lovely. And when, But just slow it down and remember the story. Remember, actually, that sentence shouldn't read like that. In, in, in their culture. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be like that. Because many, many thought that the alignment should have been that the baby was named after his father. Remember? Remember? And many of them thought that, that, that this baby, you name it after his dad. Don't, don't name him. We've got, no, we've got no Johns in the family. You know? Where, where's John come from? You know, you remember when he, do you know, you know, in your families, you know, when, you, you know, babies are born, yeah? And then one of your family members you know names him or her by this, what you think is a ridiculous name and you go, oh, what a lovely name. 
which is ridiculous, but you don't say that. It's a lovely name. It's a lovely name. <laughs> it sounds like a devil, but it's a lovely name. Um, and it's a bit like that. You know, John, was, John wasn't around at all. They, they were, in fact, they wanted to name him Zechariah because that was their culture. That was the right thing to do. It was what everybody did. You call them by the, or you put Zechariah into the name. You make it sound like, you know, he's carrying on the family name. You double barrel it at least. You just don't go off on a tangent and go, John. We need to be careful of those who have right motives and who try to control and bring into line with what has always been done before. Because it may not be the will of God today. And it may not be what God wants you to have and you to experience. See, the people around Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were people who were steeped in their beliefs. And Zechariah and Elizabeth were also. They were steeped in their disciplines and their practices. Went back generations. And they were locked into their culture. Just like you and I do. We get locked into our family culture. This is, this is how we always do it. This, there's a right way. And there's a wrong way. This is the right way. In the Talmud, which is a, a, an amazing Jewish commentary with loads of stories, and has this uh, a beautiful story of, sad story, but beautiful story, of, of, a, of a rabbi who's immersed in his, in his studies. He's just, he will just not come away from his studies. And uh, uh, there's, there's a picture of him there, um, beaver in a way in his studies. And his wife is, is waiting for him, waiting, waiting, waiting. And there's tears in her eyes because he won't pull himself away from his studies to come to her. And she, she, there's a tear falling. And as, as the tear is falling from her eyes, the roof that he's sitting on to do his studies, the roof collapses and he falls and he dies. And, and the Talmud tells the story to teach about self-righteousness. And self-righteousness is this, is that the rabbi, the example of the rabbi who um, falls to his death, and the only way that that could have been prevented is to simply being able to see somebody else's point of view. If only he had seen his wife's point of view. That's what the Talmud teaches. He would have come away and he would have saved his life. We can get so locked in. So, I don't know if you you use a GPS, probably don't in, in Guernsey. If you do, you don't want to admit it. Um, but I, I've got a GPS for everything. And uh, it's a live GPS, and it tells me if, if there's traffic ahead, and if it's like, just listen, Paul, this nice lady, she, you can program it, you know, you're a grumpy one, or, or, or one who, you know, kind of like does it for you. And... Uh, or a man, you don't want a man, um, a woman on. So she says, Paul, 
ahead of you some serious traffic. I'm going to choose a different way for you. It's going to take a little bit longer, but it's going to be better in the long run. This is how she talks to me. It's nice. It's lovely. And are you all right? Do you feel okay about that? She said, well, put me out a little bit. She says, well, I'm sorry, but if you go that way, it's going to be better. Do not go down this road. Now, if I want to go down the M1, you know, so I always go down the M1. So what's the matter with you? I'm, this is the way I'm going to go. And uh, so if I'm thinking, mm, maybe she's telling me a lie. Maybe, you know, maybe, she, maybe this woman, maybe she doesn't understand the road. You know, and we've been a bit sexist for a moment. I won't go down that route. Um, come away. And uh, see what I did there? Just pulled away there, stay in the anointing. And um, if I says, I'm going to go straight down the M1, I don't, I don't care, I'm going there. I'm going to find myself locked into a whole pile of traffic. Friends, this unwillingness to think that you could possibly be wrong is a disease that's in the church right across the countries. The, the inability to take on Another point of view means that we don't possibly align ourselves and we may miss moments where God just wants to move us to another place, another fresh look at something, another opportunity. Maybe this is the moment to try that. It wasn't then, but maybe it is now. Instead of saying, oh, we've, we've, we've done all that before, it never works. I tried that before. He tried it 50 years ago. <laughs> Do you think it could possibly work now? And the inability to, to shift is perhaps why we are, are, are struggling at times to communicate the gospel to a, a lost world. Maybe it's why um, the the churches are are struggling. Um, I heard two weeks ago, um, there was an African conference in Leeds. And um, Leeds, if you don't know where that is, it's in the north. And um, our pastors were serving, one of our pastors was serving the coffee and we had invited African pastors from different places in Africa to come over and they were great people speaking at a conference, doing great, great teaching. But they came to, to get their coffee and they saw one of the pastors serving coffee. Now, in our culture, you know, it's okay, isn't it? You know, it's okay. If it, you know, yesterday there was a, a, a leadership meeting here and Nicole did all the coffee... Um, wasn't enough. I mean, I went for a coffee and all gone. But, um, <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to not going to go down that line. It's, it's worth it. But I stay in the anointing and for your sake. So, but you were serving coffee, and it's part of our culture. But the African pastors, the African pastors were uh, going. Oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? What? 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 You shouldn't be serving coffee. 
Because in Africa, for, for a pastor to do that, in their culture, it's just, you know, that's not honouring of the pastor. But for us, it's okay. So, so culturally, there are norms within culture that can lock us in and keep us. And, and, and your culture could be your family and how you brought up. It could be your tribe or where you, where you come from. It could be your location, your experience. Uh, everything, all, all those things put together, but you can be locked in and say, this is how it is, this is what it's always been like, this This is what I do, you know. I mean, you, tomorrow, you'll be, some of you will go to work and you'll go in the same direction. I mean, you just go down the same road. Some of you go to the shops, you go down the same road. Some of you will go to the same, you'll go into the, if you go, if you go shopping in the street, you go in the order of the shops that you normally go to. The, the, I always go there first, then they go there, then they go there. Well, mix it up a bit. No, no, no. <laughs> Can't mix it up. <laughs> this, this is my route. This is what I do. In, in the morning, you'll get out of bed and you'll do exactly the same thing that you've done for the last 60, 70 years. This is how I do I always put my socks on first. You know, I say, you know, what, 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 we'll mix it up, you know? Don't do that. To, to change it. But we're not, we're locked into something. This is how we are. This is how we behave. And that's how we are, just in a very funny human way. But it's the same within our spiritual and our walk with God. This is it. And I am right. No, you're not. It's not Zechariah. It's John. And you need to align. In order to align, you need to change. In order to align, you need to let go. In order, you need to say, I'm not going to do it that way anymore. I'm not going to think that way anymore. I'm not going to speak that way anymore. I'm going to be different. So often we've been waiting for God to change us, and God's been waiting for you to change. And you know, um, Zechariah's name means Yahweh remembers. We must honour the past story. Every time Zechariah's name is mentioned... Every time he's called, it's a calling of Yahweh remembers. It's all about the past. Yahweh remembers. Here's the work of grace. Because here comes the change of the name. Zechariah, I want you to give your son a different name. I want you to change it all up. Everybody's going to be confused. Everybody's going to be against it. But we're not going to call your son Yahweh remembers anymore. It's not going to be about the past. I'm going to call your son by a new name. The name is John. Yahweh is gracious. For the shift from Zechariah to John, the shift of meaning is huge. But Yahweh is gracious. Zechariah he knew the history of his name. He knew the biblical history. He knew that 500 years ago there was a, another guy by the name Zechariah and he was a prophet. Um, and he knew the story of how Zechariah was struggling to motivate the people to build the temple. And so God sends an angel uh, and he comes with a, a message, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Work that had grounded for 16 years now it will happen again by my spirit. Zechariah. I want you to understand that my, the change that's going to happen, what I'm going to be doing in this next season, is going to be a work of my grace. It's going to be a work of my spirit. And we 
I know the story of uh, how the temple was rebuilt and we know the story of how um, God got the people motivated again um, when with Zerubbabel, who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you should become a plain. Zerubbabel was the governor and he was the, the master builder and motivated to, to get the people uh, building once again the temple. But he had this checkered past. Um, his name means Zeru plus Babel. It means conceived in Babylon. And he needs to understand that he has to let go of the failure of his past and to begin to live in grace. And we need to ask ourselves the same question. Am I living in the failure of the past? Am I still there? Or will I move into a place of grace and a, and a place of, of a new season with God? Uh, Zechariah, this is going to be a season of grace for you. Uh, Zechariah, you need a, you need a change. You, you need to let go of the pride. I know that you wanted your son to be named after you in some kind of capacity and you need to let go of the pride and the control of all those things and I don't want you to call your son after yourself. I don't want people to, to when they come across John, go, oh, I know, I know, yeah, so you're the Zechariah, I see, I see the link, I see the family line. I want people to see that this is a brand new day. Get over yourself, get over your pride, get over the control. This is not about you, this is about what I'm doing in the future. And as a church, we need to let go of all of those things and let go of our past, let go of our pride, let go of our control and allow God to do something new in our life. God will not do something new in some person's life if they're bringing a whole pile of baggage with them, whether that's hurt, whether it's past failure, whether it's control, whatever it is. He said, will you leave all that stuff behind you because we're going to do something new. And that's still the message of the Spirit today. Zechariah, John's not going to be fashioned after you. And you have to release him to follow a different path and you have to let go. And Zechariah let go and John was born. We need to align ourselves to align ourselves. We need to let go of stuff and we need to change. And thirdly, we need the presence of God in our life. And we need to understand the presence of God more and more. See, John was born out of the experience of the presence. The story is that Zechariah... Uh, is chosen from amongst 20,000 priests to go and burn incense. And he would come in, in into the Holy of Holies and he would, he, he would place fragrance uh, uh, on the fiery coals. Fragrant cloud would rise. Zechariah would lay prost, pro, uh, prostrate on the floor and he would begin to pray for the blessing of Israel and to thank God for all the past blessings. Zechariah had studied this as... 20,000 studied them, uh, studied it. How to do this? How to do, to take the role of the high priest at that moment when you're in the Holy Ghost? He knew what to do when he went into that place. And if you were to ask Zechariah there and then, are you in the presence of God? He would say, yes. I am definitely in the presence of God. Look, ar- look around here. I'm definitely all around me is the showbread, the temple furniture. Look what I'm doing. Look how I'm worshipping. I'm in the presence of God. Friends, there's no doubt whatsoever that you've been carrying the presence of God in your life. But there's more. There's more for you. 
And being ready for God to move in your life is to be a pursuer of his presence. To long for more of him in your life. Zechariah would say, yes, I've, I've got the presence. But there, there was something significant in the story that would indicate that actually um, there's, there, there was a, there's an aspect of, of God's presence that, that Zechariah hadn't stepped into. Let me explain to you. Um, when the angel says to Zechariah, uh, Zechariah, we've, we've heard your prayer and uh, your wife... She's going to have a baby. You're going to name him John. Zechariah says, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. <laughs> the angel said to him, Let's discuss that, shall we? Uh, the angel said to him, ah, You've got a fair point, that. Mm. Well on. Mm. Have I got the right person here? No. The, Luke, Luke records that the angel said to him, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Can I just unpack that for a moment? Zechariah goes, Gabriel, I'm an old man, my wife is old, how, I don't get it, I don't know how this is going to happen, we've tried all our life, we've not had a baby, we're, we're well past it, what are you talking about? He's in the presence of God, Right? Gabriel doesn't even respond. He just simply says to Zechariah, um, I stand in the presence of God. And I, I, I've, come, I've been sent to tell you the good news. Here's the point. That there, is, there is a level in the presence of God when certain questions are not asked. We don't ask those questions, Zechariah, how? But in the presence of God, we just hear. And whatever he says, we do. Zechariah, you may think you're in the presence of God, but I've I've just come from the presence of God. And that's what he's told me. So I don't know where you are. And Zechariah, standing in the most symbolic presence of God was realising that there was, a, there was a depth to the presence of God that he had not been to before. And you can gather at many altars and you can perform many liturgies no matter what denomination or what Christian church you belong to. You can arrange all your artefacts around you and you can have either church choirs or you can have the greatest keyboard or the greatest band and you can sing and dance to Bethel Hillsong or whatever you want to dance to and whatever. And at the same time, you can have let go of your old dreams. You could have stopped praying the prayers that you used to pray. And all hope can have disappeared. You see, the answer to everything is the presence of God. The prayers that Zechariah had prayed were still in the presence of God. They were not in where Zechariah was. When he's lying prostrate on the floor, he's not praying for a child. When, when, when he's putting frankincense, symbolic of the prayers of the people, of the people on the fiery coals, he's not going, oh, you know, restore my hope for me and Elizabeth. No. But there, there, but there is a, a place in God where God says, 
Listen, what you prayed in the past, your dreams of the old, and the hope that is fading, and what you've stopped thinking about and stopped praying for, it still exists. It's in the presence of God today. It's still there. I've still got what you said to me, what you asked for all those years ago. It's still here. It's still alive. It's not, it may have dropped off your agenda. The context of your world may have smothered it and, 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 and you may have lost it. But here, in the presence of God, it's still alive. Dreams are still here. And Zechariah has to make the shift from lying on the floor as a broken man, a man who's getting old and saying, oh, I used to pray for stuff and long for stuff. And he had to get off the floor and realise... This angel he'd never seen before, this, this being that's come in, has told him that there's a place where what I longed for, what I dreamt for, what I hoped for, still exists. That's why you need to pursue the presence of God more and more, because you've soared into and deposited into the presence of God what you may have even forgotten about today. In the presence, you see, in that place, we know that God has heard our prayers, the prayers of old, the forgotten prayers, the ones that are not important anymore because they don't apply anymore. Prayers that don't apply anymore? How can you be so sure? Secondly, we know that God, in that place, we know that God can. He can override the natural. He can embarrass common sense. Break through scientific impossibility. In that place, we know that in that place, we have still something to do. Because this was not the Immaculate Conception, amen? Did you realise that? There's only one virgin birth. <laughs> Mrs. Zechariah would have longed, <laughs> I'm sure. As he comes home, can't speak, looking a bit odd. Can't tell her exactly, but she'd seen this look 30 years ago. <laughs> what? <laughs> Can you imagine it? What are you looking at me, what are you looking at me like that for? He's having to do signs. <laughs> you didn't do that since we were 21. What's going on? What's going on here? Pull yourself together, man. <laughs> goes, goes to the record player. Puts on the old tunes. <laughs> you know? Love is in the air. <laughs> and Elizabeth starts sweating before, he, before the tune's finished. <laughs> Surely not, stupid man. You know, as a follower of Jesus, there's nothing that you cannot do if it lives in the presence of God. And if God says, I want it, there's nothing that you cannot do. 
There is nothing that's impossible for you, for the people you love, for, your, for, for whatever has been deposited. If it's alive there, it's nothing. Can I just finish this and say this, that we need not to be afraid, um, need not fear where we are. It's, this is an interesting one because uh, the word of the Lord came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Now, as a Christian, we hate the wilderness. We go, oh God, just get me out of the desert. I just feel so dry. Uh, I, I don't want to be here anymore. Just, it's just a wilderness. But if you're a Jew, happy days. The Jews love the wilderness. Christians hate it. Strange thing, isn't it? The Jews, actually, if you're in the wilderness, is the best place for you to be. Let me try and explain to you. The child grew, became strong in spirit. John the Baptist lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. So Luke tells us. Let me tell you some things about the wilderness. The wilderness years are not where you are destined for, but it is where you will grow the most to move into your destiny. The wilderness years are hidden years where the public and people around you may not see what's going on in your life, nor even know you are there. The wilderness years can be lived in and you can find a way to dwell there. You can do life in the desert. The wilderness years are the time when nothing much grows. The context of your world is quite desperate. But the only thing that is growing is you. The wilderness years, you see, they don't shrink you, but they enlarge you. The wilderness years, they don't weaken you, but they strengthen you. You come out of those seasons always better than when you came in. The wilderness years will come to an end. They are always temporary. The wilderness years are really essential, and they were essential for people like Joseph, Moses, Elijah, David, Job, and for Paul. And John had positioned himself in the wilderness. John had... John had gone into the wilderness on purpose because as a Jew, if you go into the wilderness, it is the place for being ready for God. There is no other place on planet earth to be ready for God, for the Jew, than in the desert, the wilderness. Why? It's their story. It's their culture. Their cultural story. The wilderness is a special place for us in the Bible, because it teaches us of the story of the Israelites, and you know it very well. See, the wilderness years were not wandering years. We think that the Jews, all they did was wander around for 40 years, to here, there, and everywhere. No, they didn't. They only wandered for about one to two years, 18 months. And then they stayed for around about 38 years in a place called Kadesh Barnea. And that's where they stayed, in the wilderness where Moses was up and down getting revelation, where he instructed the building of the tabernacle. At the foot of Sinai, they built that tabernacle. And then in Kadesh Barnea, they stayed there because the spies had given a bad report, so they, they stayed there. But here's what happened in the wilderness for the Jew. It was a wilderness where everyone died except two men, Joshua and Caleb. So for the Jew, the wilderness was a place where you surrendered, where you died, where you gave up your life. 
And if you're in a, in a, if things are just, the context of your world is dryness, if you're just going through a barren place, if you're just going through a wilderness thing, and just thinking, what is going on in my life? Here's the best place to be, honestly, because of what it's doing to you. Because you've got a great opportunity, you can fight against it and try and get yourself out of there, but if you remain there, you allow the Spirit of God to strip you from being the man and the woman and creating you and shaping you and there's some death and there's some surrender and the submission of your life. There's a, there's a bended knee and there's a, this, this battle going on between your will and his will and eventually he wins and you say, God, whatever, you know, I, I surrender my life to you. It's, it's, it's the death of the wilderness. It's what changed them. But importantly also, it's the revelation that was given to them. Wilderness in Hebrew means midbar, which means word. Where did the Torah, the first five Old Testament books come from? It came from, not from Egypt. It didn't come from the Promised Land. The first five Old Testament books, the, 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 the revelation came from midbar, word, came from the wilderness. It was the wilderness where revelation was given and they experienced God. In your desert place, it can be the place where everything's stripped away, that all that's left is your ability to hear God in a way that's free from distraction and all your desires and all that's um, occupying your life. We need the wilderness years, the place where we die in order to live, the place where we change, the place where we hear from God and we encounter him. So I'm asking this question, are you ready? And we have to live our life ready, whether we are ready for the return of Jesus or whether we are ready for the move of the Spirit upon our life, whether we are ready for God to do something fresh in a new chapter, we have to just live our lives ready. And that might mean today that we might start to go I'm ready for something new. I'm ready to just mix my life up a little bit. I'm ready to be realigned. For that to happen, I'm ready to change. I'm ready to let go of the past. I'm ready to let go of some hurts. I'm ready to let go of this. And I'm stepping into something new. A new day of grace, perhaps. A new day of the Spirit, whatever you might want to do in your life. It's a day when we, we move into his presence in a deeper way. And we may be reminded of the things that we once said to him. And we realise that actually those promises are still there. Um, and it's a, it's a day when we may have to just surrender our life in the wilderness years. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here this morning in this room and you know every man and every woman, you know us by name and you know, Lord, what I've been speaking about and I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you will take these words now and if there are people here this morning who are just wanting to align themselves with you They're just willing to make the changes that need to happen. They are saying, take me deeper, Holy Spirit. Take me back 
deeper into the presence of God where maybe I've lost some of the promises I once held to, maybe some of the hope that I once ran with. Take me deeper into the presence where questions are not asked, but actually I find there's tremendous hope and destiny and dreams that are still active and alive. You have so much more for me and I find that in the presence. Take me deeper into that place. And if you are in the wilderness, he's there with you. He comes to you in the wilderness. Place of surrender. A place of revelation. I'm not going to ask the whole worship team to come back on the stage because that's going to take just a little bit longer than I need to. But I just, maybe a keyboardist um, would just come and just play something. Uh, uh, maybe Mike will come and, uh, and sing something. But I just want to leave this open right now for the Holy Spirit. Just maybe let's, let's, let's stand in his presence this morning. And I'm going to ask if people this morning w- would like to come for prayer. I'm going to pray with you. And you know, you may need healing, and you may need guidance, and you may need this, and you may need that, and etc. But I'm I'm calling I'm calling people who will say I'm I I want to be ready. I want to be ready. I I want to not do my way no matter no matter how uncomfortable it might be I, I want to go your way Lord and so I, I I change I let go and I surrender and I pursue your presence if we if we wait and we pray and we pray and we pray for your circumstances to change in order for you to be ready we're going to be waiting for the cows to come home it's not going to happen being ready in the context of a broken world being ready in in, in, in the context of your painful life where it's, you've not got all the T's crossed and the, dot, the I's dotted and it's not perfect. It could be better. At that time, right now, in this moment, this is the moment to be ready. So, without further ado, without anything, I've, I've given you what was in my heart for this morning. So we start this Advent. Um, are you ready? And maybe, maybe this is, a, this is the moment. Maybe this is the moment for you just to come forward right now. Just, just stand here in front of me, and I'm going to start to pray for you. Just going to pray for the presence of God. Going to pray for blessing upon your life. So just uh, wherever you are, just come. Just stand right in front of here. I'm just going to pray for a move of God in your life that's fresh as you come forward just come forward with the attitude and the spirit of your life that says here I am in in alignment 
with a willingness to change, with an openness to surrender. And I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait until it gives you all the opportunity you can just to come. And as you stand here, and just maybe begin just to lift your hands a little bit to Jesus. And right now, let's just begin to put ourselves in the place of a symbolic stance of worship before God. Holy Spirit, um, we, we, we need you right now. And if you're still battling and you're standing and you're just thinking, shall I go? Shall, shall I just wait for another confirmation to go? Um, well, I, I'm happy to, to give all those confirmations. Just, just come and join these folks at any moment. Holy Spirit, Let me just say this, that <coughs> uh, <coughs> this week, um, one of my pastors, he's only 34 years of age, um, he, he died uh, this week, and um, today he's in the presence of the Lord. And I'm very conscious of how, <coughs> um, how the distance between earth and heaven are very short the shortness of a breath and we're in the afterlife and, and my friend my pastor is now experienced a presence of God that I, I only read about and um, I don't fully know there is a presence of God that goes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and, and we'll only fully appreciate it when we, when we die here on earth and we are in heaven but we pursue him by the Spirit. And he allows us and he permits us and he gives us this great privilege of knowing him more and more and more. Take us deeper. Take this church deeper, Holy Spirit. Take us as deep as we possibly can while we're here on earth. Let us be people who are different. Realign our mind, realign our vocabulary, realign our, our thinking, realign our heart. We change, we, we stop it now. We mix things up a little bit. We, we say, yes, God, your way, not my way. We surrender our life. We say, God, whatever's in the presence, that's for me whether you send an angel or whether you do it miraculous by your spirit or however it's going to happen but Lord what's ever in your presence for me please I want it I want it here I am wholly available I don't feel great about my circumstance I don't feel great about my context it feels like a desert Lord at times feels so dry but it's here in this place right now where heaven opens over my life and I see something new of you it's here where the word of the Lord comes it's here where you penetrate into my life and you speak a word of revelation it's here oh God where I begin to change where I begin to rise to be who you've called me to be on this earth man, woman So as I lay my hands upon these people, 
come, Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads, information, or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. 